Kingdom Pursuits, where you hear from ordinary people instilled with an extraordinary passion. Together we explore the stories of men and women who take what they love and let God turn their passion into Kingdom Pursuits. Now, live from the Truth Booth, your host, Robbie Dillmore. I feel like always that I've been given another Christmas present um, to share some wonderful, cool folks with you today on Kingdom Pursuits. And uh, we'll just get started. First off, we have Bert Jones, and he is the chaplain, actually, at the, one of the state cap here in the state capital of North Carolina. And he's been in the um, Congress four different terms, and he is with Capital Commission. So welcome, Bert. Thank you, Robbie. It's great to be here with you today. And he's got quite quite a story of how God led you into political office. You know, we we got to find out about this stuff. <laughs> very good. Looking forward to it. <laughs> me too. And also, very cool, in the studio right in front of me, I have Pastor Alan Holmes, and he's the author of his book, Redefined. A simple path to a hope-filled life. Wouldn't we all like a simple path to a hope-filled life, Alan? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so we're excited about his book, but you know it's King of Pursuit, so we got to do Robbie's stuff here. So speaking of hope, since it was, you know, in your tagline there. So um, being the Christian car guy, you're going to like this one, Keith. Um, when I die, I hope I, it's peacefully in my sleep. Like Grandpa, right? Yeah. Not screaming in terror like his passengers. Oh, come on. <laughs> you like that, That's didn't good. you? I like that one. So, and, and actually, I had hopes of making my racing snail faster. So I removed its shell. But you know what happened, Keith? What happened? It only became more sluggish. It was... <laughs> that one come on, Bert. It was a little funny, you know. You... <laughs> Very little, yes. Very little, yeah. So, you may not know this, but I've thought about it. 20 years ago, we had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, and Steve Jobs. Now we've got no cash, no hope, and no jobs. <laughs> I mean, literally, we don't. <laughs> I like that one. That one's, I like that. So, in the, with that in mind, we don't want Kevin Bacon to die. This would be bad. <laughs> Uh, just as a side note, Keith, what you don't know, and the reason why I find this particularly funny, is that my mother's maiden name was Bacon. It's true. I don't know if I'm related to Kevin, but I do know that my grandfather's name was Harry Bacon, and even more concerning was his brother's name, Dewey Bacon. <laughs> just, you know what I can say, you know? He would fry you whenever... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you knew after all those shenanigans, I would actually, and I do, have a Bible riddle for you. If you can answer today, we're hoping you can win this new book, Riddle Fine. So here's your riddle. And I really like this one, Keith, by the way. Which prophet's enemies, they hoped, you know, because we're on this idea of hope. They hoped he would die in a deep hole that was once filled with water. You might think they meant well. <laughs> which prophet right his enemies hoped he would die in a deep hole that was once filled with water you might think they meant well 866-348-7884 866-34 truth and if they can guess that 
Keith, tell them what to win. Well, Robbie, they can win their very own copy of Redefine, a simple path to a hope-filled life. Uh, there you go. And I can tell you this is an awesome book. 86634. You know this one. Come on. Who's the who's the prophet that ended up down in the hole? 8663487884866343 truth. And uh so again, I you know just to jump right in there, Bert. You're laying there one night in bed and all of a sudden God says, "Bert." <laughs> <laughs> I want you to go to Raleigh. And you said, what? <laughs> now, can you take us into how that was, actually? So I, I guess you could describe it a little bit like, uh, you know, when uh, Isaiah said, is it I, Lord? I At the time, um, I had been involved in uh, local politics for a number of years. Um, but uh, And I served as a county commissioner in Rockingham County. Uh, I really had not intended to run any further than that. I retired uh, from that in 2008 and uh, didn't didn't expect to serve again. But uh, you know, two years later, we were trying to recruit a, a good uh, candidate to run for the legislature in our area, and uh, you know, it, it, it kind of ended up uh, the the lot fell on me. I guess you would say. I think the Lord did impress upon me. Uh, really late in in the game that year um we had been i had been active in trying to uh to, to get some other folks and, and and we just never really got the right candidate and uh, the lord just impressed upon my heart and uh, my wife was extremely supportive and people were very supportive of me doing it and uh it's it's a long story but you know it's an opportunity that god really revealed himself we had never had uh, a candidate to run as an unaffiliated or an independent candidate at the time and and um, come in that way, uh, be elected. And uh, we did that and uh, won uh, the election by 12 percentage points. And that was at a time when uh, people were voting straight party tickets and so forth. It was just, uh, you know, I, I said at the time I knew that God was calling me to run. I didn't know if he was calling me to win, but... Uh, he certainly made it happen, and you know it's been a it's been a great journey. Had the opportunity to serve for uh, for four terms there before I retired, and uh, and now to serve in the Capitol Commission role. Uh, I, I really feel like that that's a big reason why uh, the Lord took me to Raleigh to start with as a legislator that uh, I could have the opportunity to be doing what I'm doing now. But from what I understand, you, you know, kind of like the character in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you started out as a dentist? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a dentist by profession. You know, uh, of course, state legislators are uh, uh, have lives uh, or are supposed to have lives at least outside the legislature. So that was my, my career path was, uh, was dentistry. And um, I'm still a licensed dentist. But um, really, I've had the opportunity to wear a few hats along the way. Sometimes I think I need a little bit bigger hat rack, <laughs> um, but uh, but I do wear a few different hats. That's so really that's one of them. Yeah, that's really really impressive. Well, Pastor Allen, he's the author of Redefined, and so similar question to you. Like, was there a you know? I know you're obviously very busy as a pastor of Definition Church there in Greensboro. You got a lot going on. And writing a book just just takes a whole lot of time and effort. <clears throat> How did that work out for you? Well, Robbie, it's a good question. Uh, 
for years had, you know, really felt like God had called me to write. Uh, my mentor, Dr. Bennett, said to me for years, he said, anything worth saying is worth writing. And uh, he was always pushing me to write because he's, you know, he helped me to understand that when you write, it allows your message to have shelf life. So uh, any, <laughs> any given Sunday, I like that. That's well said. Uh, when I preach a message, it might be the best message I've ever preached, and by Wednesday, I can't remember it. You know, so a book is different. A, bu- a book puts a message in writing and uh, gives it. I think more time uh, to really settle in people's hearts. So I think there's value in that. And it also allows you to get your message beyond the walls of our church. So this past fall, for example, when the book was released, I had 12 other churches who did a sermon series with me through the Beatitudes, which is what the first section of the book is about. And uh, so the message went beyond just one church and 12 churches around the country. They were studying the Beatitudes and using the book as a resource. So I, I just felt called to uh, to write for a long time. And then when COVID hit and everybody had a little extra time, uh-huh. you know, there was a lot you couldn't do. I started putting it in writing. So How awesome is that? Yeah. Okay, the book is Redefined, as well as Capital Commission. You'll find it both at kingdompursuits.com. And so we got so much more coming back with Kingdom Pursuits. we got Samuel. Who, who feels like he knows about this prophet that ended up in the hole. Just saying. We'll be right back. how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom. And what a treat we have today with Burt Jones with the Capitol Commission and uh, their chaplain at the North Carolina State Capitol and Pastor Alan Holmes. He's the, the pastor of Definition Church in his new book, Redefined, A Simple Path to a Hope-Filled Life. And we have Samuel, who um, has got an answer for us <laughs> of which of these prophets was down in this hole. So, Samuel, you're on Kingdom Pursuits. Good morning. Good morning. I believe that the answer is going to be Jeremiah. <laughs> they thought well, didn't they? They were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. My mom, was, me and my mom, was riding the car in here. She said, "Well, that's easy. That's Jeremiah." And I said, "Well, let's find out." Yeah, uh, you are exactly right. And we've got a redefined headed your way, but I. Did you know, this is really a neat thing. That I, The reason why I love that whole concept of Jeremiah being down in a well, as you may know, he was the weeping prophet. Yeah. Uh, he wrote the Book of Lamentations as well. And in Hebrew, the word for I is the same thing as well. Because out of your eyes flow living water, literally. Living that is really- water. The water that is in tears has got all sorts of different cool stuff in it that helps relieve you from, you know, what it is you're suffering with. And so here's this prophet that was the weeping prophet, these eyes, you know, and I, you know, it's just, and when you think about your salvation experience, most people like when John Bunyan wrote in Pilgrim's Progress, 
that 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 um, pilgrim weeped uncontrollably at the foot of the cross because you know, and 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 that idea of living water coming there at your salvation is really it's a cool. Th- Have you ever thought about it? Not in the way that you just put it out there, but yeah, when you talk about the tears have you know, those healing properties and, and all that. It, it, that's amazing when you think about it in the concept for your soul, you know, of healing for your soul and, and um, through, that, through that same method, even though tears are external, but they're doing something internal, you know, also. That's, that's really cool. It is. Mom's sitting it here is. like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samuel, you know, since, you, you know, you're kind of a, pro, you know, based on your name, you know, you've got a long history. Of <laughs> really, really, that's yeah. pretty biblical. That's that's awesome, Samuel. Thank you for calling in today. That took courage, and, and we're so glad that you won this book. I know you're going to enjoy it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, thank you. God bless. Bye. Bye. Yep. So I, you know, I am always thrilled when I get authors because I just think it's really, you know. How cool is it? God gave you this adventure to go on. And so I have a sense with every author that God gives them really cool stuff along the way that surprised him like, man, I didn't see this coming. And so what was that in, in your book, uh, pastor that, that kind of grabbed you? Like I didn't, Oh, I didn't see this coming when I, you know, you sat down to write on the Beatitudes. You've been a pastor for 20 years. I'm guessing you preached through them a few times. Sure. <laughs> and so what, what grabbed you? You know, I I think one of the things that really caught my attention is when you think about what we look see happening in culture, I think so many people are discouraged about their faith. I think a lot of people who've been in church for years feel like, I've tried this, and I'm not sure that it's working. You know, they, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to experience God, and he feels distance. They're trying to change, and change seems to never come. And uh, when you start studying the Beatitudes, what you realize is that was all true in the first century. And Jesus begins this message by over and over again inviting us into a blessed life. But what's surprising is the path. And uh, so he begins, you know, of course, blessed are the poor in spirit, which, you know, seems a little confusing. And then blessed are those who mourn, like you were just talking about. And uh, blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And all of those things were true for the crowd, the people that he's talking to. I think most of those things are true for a lot of people in American culture today who Maybe they've been in church for years, but they they don't feel blessed. They don't feel close to Jesus. They are longing for more, and Jesus comes with this very encouraging message, and he's inviting them into this life, but the path is surprising. It's not propping yourself up and try harder and and you know act like a Christian, and if you want to be blessed, you you know you better do the right thing. It's the opposite. It's it's acknowledging our spiritual bankruptcy. It's our brokenness over our condition and the condition of the world that we live in. It's hum- it's humility and brokenness and surrender, dependence. It's this life with God where he begins producing new life in us. And I think that's different than what most people have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what a neat thing it is. 
you know, I can't help but just reflect on actually the 119th Psalm starts with a couple of Beatitudes, right? Mm-hmm. But then when it gets to the Hebrew letter Dalits, which, you know, they say that that idea of humility is a doorway to spirituality. Right. And, and he starts out with my soul cleaveth unto the dust. <laughs> right. right. Like th- that's, that's <clears throat> where it takes. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, you know, I see it so often you, it, when, when I get a chance to meet with the guys from the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission, right? Here's these people that have really been homeless. They've been this and that. But God, they got to the point of humility where, right? Right. And you think about these people that are sitting there looking down on the rescue mission that are on the 10th floor of the Piedmont building in Winston-Salem. And, and those poor people don't realize that to get what it is that they're so hungry for, right? they got to get thirsty, sort of. Right. <laughs> well, that was certainly true for me. So my, my story, and you'll read this in the beginning of the book, is I went to seminary, but the truth is I didn't have much humility. So I'm in seminary, preparing to be a pastor. I loved Jesus. I was glad I was going to heaven. I was very zealous, you know, outspoken. Right. Somebody that shared his faith all the time, wanted to change the world. And I uh, got married after my first semester in sem- of seminary. And then five months later, I came home one day, five months into marriage, towards the second end of my second semester. My wife had been struggling. Married marriage and the transition uh, to seminary was more difficult for her. I came home one day and she said, Alan, I don't love you. And I don't think I want to be married and I will never be in the ministry. Mm. I want to go home. And in that moment, what happened was my strength and my pride and my self-sufficiency, my independence, my arrogance was all exposed and broken. And I, re- I just began to realize that the truth is I'm religious, but I'm not spiritual. I'm working for God, but not with him. And uh, in my brokenness, there came some humility, and God began to do something that is much more spiritual and internal and life-changing in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know who said this, but years ago I heard often humility comes on the backside of humiliation. <laughs> right. It's not until we suffer. It's not until we go through difficulty that we begin to see our need for God. And that's a real problem in American culture, right? We pride ourselves in being self-made and pulling up our bootstraps. And, but that mentality really works against your spiritual life. Right. It creates pride like we were, you were talking about earlier. That's, I find this beautiful that at that moment, God brings Dr. Bennett. That's exactly right. You know, in that moment, we decided that the only reasonable thing to do is drop out of seminary. We actually did move back to home. We're from Wilmington so that we could really focus on rebuilding our marriage. And at that same moment, I was introduced to a man. His name was Dr. Bennett, retired pastor. He was an interim pastor in Wilmington at the time. And and I went and met with him and just asked him for help. And literally, it was like he adopted me as his son. I mean, just took me under his wing. And for the next 20 years, he fathered me. 
and did things that I had never experienced. I grew up in a broken home and really didn't have a father figure that way. And, and, and Dr. Bennett began to play that role and it healed my soul. And he began teaching me how to spend time with God and allow God to transform me from the inside out rather than striving to perform for God. And that's what I think so many Christians today are discouraged and and if they were really honest, they are not very hopeful that change is possible. They're not hopeful that God is close. They're not certain that God's paying attention or he's concerned about what's going on in their life. And primarily that's because they've spent their life trying to perform, thinking that performance is the key to being close to Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way religion works. That's the way right? religion I gotta, works. <laughs> that's exactly. And it's a burden. <laughs> no, it is. It yeah. is. So, Bert, you've been patiently listening to this conversation. I'm curious your thoughts. I've, I've truly enjoyed it. I've just been saying uh, amen uh, to everything that uh, Alan has had to say. I just appreciate him just sharing his testimony and just uh, where where the Lord has taught him in these areas. And, uh you know, just say praise the Lord. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, God bless you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of humiliation God seems to be willing to put me through. <laughs> In order to, no, I love that. You, yeah, humility does come on the other side of humiliation. If you haven't experienced that, you know, you might try it this Christmas. All right. <laughs> so we're going to be back with so much more. Kingdom Pursuits, Burt Jones and Pastor Alan Holmes, their stuff, again, the book and capital commission at kingdompursuits.com. Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom. And I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have today. Just a delightful time with Burt Jones with the Capital Commission and Pastor Alan Holmes, pastor of Definition Church and the author of Redefine the Simple Path to a Hope-Filled Life. So I'm curious since, you know, I didn't know we were going to talk about humiliation, but I loved it. I loved that discussion. Uh Bert, have you been, I mean, have you been humiliated? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine we've all been humiliated at some point, but, you know, you, you definitely learn a lot, you know, through life experiences. And, you know, I told you I've worn a number of, of hats, and um, certainly I have, uh, you know, early on uh, in my professional um, realm as, as a dentist. Um, I've had some severe health issues. Uh, that really, really humiliated me in the sense of just really pointing out my utter uh, dependence on on the Lord, and I think that was uh, very shaping in, in my own life and my own spiritual growth. Um, I too serve in a pastoral ministry. I'm actually we have a plurality of elders uh, at our church that share the pastoral ministry, so I'm a non vocational pastor in that sense, and I think. Um, you know, just shepherding people and being um, um, right, and I, you know, I, the I, plights I, of others. So, you know, there's that. There's that aspect as well. And certainly, as a legislator, uh, you're going to be humiliated as a legislator. Um, and there's a lot to learn there. You've got uh, 
I tell the legislators there now, I said, you've got two types of people here. And there's one type that's telling you that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread because they want something from you. They want your vote. And then there's another group that is very much against what you're doing, and they'll tell you that you're you're lower in dirt. And it's just kind of uh, important to keep your life between the rails. And I don't know without um, without faith in the one true God and the Lord Jesus Christ how people really do that. But uh, yeah, well, so there see, are there are humiliating experiences there. <laughs> that's for sure. If you think about. I, I, I find it so beautiful, I really, really do, that God allowed um, Dr. Bennett to come into Alan's life at, for such a time as this. And so obviously, and as your role there as a chaplain um, for these other people, obviously you're living out, right, Second Corinthians you know, chapter one of God of all comfort, right? Mm-hmm. You're comforting these poor guys in, in the ways that you were comforted by God while you were serving, because I imagine that 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 discouragement would be an understatement there in what they're facing is they they came in with an ideal of man we're going to really change the world <laughs> and boy i mean what is that what is that that big discouragement that slaps them right in the face right after they get into office yeah i think there are a lot of realizations you know people go and uh tell people you know be, be careful what you promise people that you're going to do um because uh Politics really is a team sport, and you're not going to do anything by yourself. Uh, mm. You better be able to play well with others and, and work with others. And uh, and so there, there are so many things that I think we have an opportunity to learn about. Um, you know, there there's a fine line between being um, attentive to the, the people that sent you there to serve and just being a people pleaser. Uh, and, and ultimately, um, you know, the Bible is very clear that God has ordained human government, that uh, government officials are, are ministers of God. We read about that in Romans 13. And uh, I think first and foremost, we, we serve God. We serve an audience of one. And in serving God and in serving him well, uh, we're going to do the right things for our, for our citizens. We're going to do the right things for our state and our nation and our communities and So with that perspective, you know, I think uh, we certainly pray for more people with that perspective to serve in in government at all levels. That's a a great idea. So, Alan, you know, again, as you're writing this, you're on this adventure with God and he's sharing stuff with you. Um, I'm curious. I, I love this question. What can you hardly wait for somebody to read in this book? <laughs> in other words, man, I can hardly wait till they get to chapter whatever, or when they get to this, what, 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 what would that be? You know, I, I think the, probably the first thing that comes to mind is just to read my story in the introduction, because, you know, I just shared a portion of it in, in the introduction, I share my, my whole life story and it's really a story of redemption and you know, I'm real transparent about how I grew up and who I became and some of the things that were issue, issues in my life and and how God, you know, transformed all and redeemed all of that. And I think for so many people, they just, they need hope. You know, we are in the Advent season, the first uh, Advent candle, first week of 
Advent, we talk about hope, and I think so many people need hope. They need to know that God can heal their pain, that God can redeem their past, that God has a plan and a, and a purpose for them moving into the future, that they can really walk with him and be transformed by his grace. And so I think the thing that I'm most excited about really when they read it is just to to get hope. And then the rest of the book basically explains, okay, what does this journey look like? What are the steps that we take? Yeah, that hope word is like, I know a lot of people, they're stuck in an addiction. Exactly. They think I can't get out of that. Right. That I'll never, I can remember my own heart would have told you I can never stay in love with anybody for any length. You know, this is not, sure. this is not something I could imagine happening for 40 or 50 years right. that th- th- this is going to get old. It's not going to work. There's no hope in that, that relationship because my parents were divorced. Right. right. And so I saw it, it. I didn't see anybody could get to stay together. How does that work? Right. And that was our story. So after that experience that I had 25 years ago, Next week, my wife and I will celebrate 25 years. And again, people hear that story, and it gives them hope that if here's a guy in seminary who has a drop out of seminary, he's not sure his marriage will make it. His wife has made it very clear she'll never be in ministry. And today, we've been married 25 years, and we've been pastoring the same church for 21 years yeah she's a pastor's wife folks in a big church like this ain't easy i'm telling you (laughs) that's amazing it's just it's 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 such a beautiful thing and 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 so tell me bert you're as a capital commission you know you've you've got this ministry what's what's your passion what is it you're hoping people will find out well i mean our mission is really to share christ in capital communities and that's what we do in raleigh you know we are there uh, to minister. It's like we said earlier. I mean, everybody else that's there, we've got some great, even Christian lobbying groups and all, but we, we are non-political. We, we minister in a political environment, but we are, we are not political. We are, we are basically the one person there that is there to serve them and not so when, ask when you say not something. political, okay. you know, it's, that's an interesting term because everything you talk about in, in order to be a good team player and all that, those are the good form of politics, right? It's like, you know, coming well, we alongside the... You just don't have an affiliation, yeah, with the Republican we, or the Democratic Party. Exactly. We are there. We're not there uh, to be lobbying them politically. We're there to share the good news of Christ and to, you know, we have regular Bible studies. That's a big part of what we do. We want to immerse uh, people that will participate, and we have certainly legislators, staff, lobbyists, you know, we, we minister to the capital community. It's all of, all of the above there. And, and so, and so you know, we can you give us, could you give us some hope for Raleigh? Like since you know, these folks, what, what should we hope they're going to make progress? I think our hope remains in the Lord. You know, we just mm. need to continue to pray for uh, our leaders as we, we think about in first Timothy two, continue to pray for them to pray that they come to a saving knowledge of Christ and that they will govern in a way that brings honor and glory to God. How cool. So we got one more segment coming up for King to Pursuit. So hope that, and oh man, what a lineup we have today on the Truth Network. So stay tuned. We got so much more King to Pursuit's coming up. 
Pursuits. We have Bert Jones with the Capital Commission and Pastor Alan Holmes. He's the author of Redefined. And uh, this book is available at Amazon. Of course, you can go to kingdompursuits.com and get it, get connected with the Capital Commission. It's all there at Kingdom Pursuits. So we've talked a lot about the book, but we haven't talked about the title. So, you know, that's got to be a hard thing when you're trying to figure out, now I've written this, or did the title come first, or did the book come first, or how did that work? Uh, They kind of, the title came when I was preaching it. So I preached through the Sermon on the Mount a couple years ago. And the idea is that Jesus came to redefine what it means to have a relationship with God. So again, in a culture that was very religious, Jesus wants to make it very clear it's about a relationship. And uh, I was telling you, dear, just explaining during the break, and in fact, let me just say to Bert, Bert, if you'd like, I'd be happy to send a copy of the book or send you enough copies of the book to send all of our state legislators a copy. And uh, that would be be, great because the thing that for me was a big issue, you know, a couple of years ago, we've got all the political stuff happening. We got all the racial stuff happening. We had Corona coming and all the, all the tension around that. And, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do. And I think one of the challenges that the Christian community in America made is we began asking government and politicians to do what really only the church can do. Now, there's certainly a place, a role for government and politicians, and there is a clear role for the church, and they really complement one another. If the church does what God's called the church to do, it really empowers politicians to do and for government to work properly. When the church fails, there's no political solution. There's no net that big. There's no way to fix what's happening in our culture. And I think Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he sees all these issues. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to address all of the cultural hot topic issues of his day. But he begins in the Beatitudes by saying, if we don't get our hearts with God right, that's what the first four Beatitudes are about. And if we don't learn to relate to each other right, which are what the next four Beatitudes are about, there's no fixing it. But when we do then the very next thing Jesus says is, now that that's true, now that your relationship with God's healthy, your relationship with people are healthy, now that that's true, you are the salt and light of the world. And then he begins explaining how the kingdom impacts all of these cultural issues. And uh, so really that's what the, that's what the book is, is about. So, um, Bert, your thoughts? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, and I appreciate the offer of the books, and I would be delighted to uh, to share them with our uh, legislators. And um, you know, I mean, I mean, as he said, well, um, God has ordained human government. Uh, God has certainly ordained the church, and He's ordained the family, the institution of the family. Right. And um, you know, if everybody would kind of stay in their own lane and, yeah. and and carry out their own role, I mean, the the Bible is very specific about, you know, roles for these different institutions. And if things are, are working according to the Lord's plan, uh, things are going to work well. But when we get out of balance and man wants to do things his own way, that's when we get into trouble. Yeah, that's right. And I love the idea you had really about praying, because, I mean, there you go. I mean, obviously, 
we need to take care of our own families. We need to take our own roles in the church, what, what that may be. But then, you know, as, apart from obviously voting, um, which we don't even know where that goes, <laughs> but we pray, right? You know what's exactly one of the things that seems challenging when you just think about American culture in general is we want a pastor to fix it, a politician to fix it, the government. To, we want somebody else to fix it and to take responsibility for what God has called each of us in our home, in, our, in all these realms. He's called us to rule and to reign. You know, we're the children of God. We are supposed to be kings. We are supposed to establish the kingdom for the blessing of all people. And uh, But we've gotten to this place where, unfortunately, even the evangelical church in America is pursuing the American dream and hoping a politician will fix the problems. And yeah, again, don't want you like to know who Adam thought was going to fix the the serpent problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like somebody better do something, or this might go really bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just suffer from that same dilemma, like man. And um, so, what a neat time yeah. to to really think about what a wonderful Christmas present redefined. And you and you can hear Alan's heart, and you can kind of get an idea of this. And, and clearly, you know, what a, what a wonderful time to think about, you know, getting somebody you love on this. Because if we get our hearts right, man, there's so much right. more. And obviously, there's, a, there's this hope. That, right. that, and that's what Christmas is about. Right. So, <clears throat> wow. I'm Bert, thank you so much for what you're doing up there. God bless you. We'd be praying. Thank My you pleasure. again. Alan, his church is um, Definition Church in Greensboro. And his book is redefined. It's all there at kingdompursuits.com. And boy, are we thankful for you for listening today. And you're so blessed because guess what? Encouraging prayers coming up next. We're going to be talking Hark, the Herald, Angel Sing in just a minute. And then followed by Masculine Journey. And then Nikita Koloff, it's time to man up. It all is coming at you here on the Truth Network. Stay tuned. Oh, and I'm going to be on The Cure today at 1. So I'll look forward to being back with you at 1 o'clock today. Thanks for listening.